You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series, called Under Construction, takes a look at how the Holy Spirit wants to rebuild lives. We are talking about rebuilding things, and um, anytime you rebuild something, anytime you go through a rebuilding project, it's a struggle. In fact, you know, I, I encourage anybody, uh, encourage anybody, the first, you know, first couple months uh, after getting married, I encourage anybody to go through a rebuilding project with, with their wife. We put up a uh, border around the top of the, uh, our, our house, and like, it was like pre-1900s house or something, like it was old, so like it wasn't drywall, it was just like plaster. And it just uneven and everything. And so uh, I think after the first about, I don't know, three yards, we didn't talk to each other after, um, after that. And, and so anytime you go through a rebuilding project, it's a struggle. In tra- Texas, one time, the house that we had in Texas, she had an idea to put up a, a, a picket fence, a white picket fence in our dining area uh, along the wall. And normally when you, when you hang stuff up, it's a picture, right? It's, it's up high and it's a, it's a, it's a picture. And so we were doing this a, a, along the, the base of the wall and so these picket fences and stuff. And so I uh, was hammering the, the, the slats in and um, I don't know, I, I heard something or something happened. And it led me to take the, 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 the picket back out and the nail, nail and everything back out. And this one wasn't in a stud or anything, so it just was able to, you know, pull it back out of the wall. And I was hit with a gush of water coming out of the hole. The bathroom was on the other side of that wall, and I punctured a hole in the um, sink okay. pipe. Yeah, no, it was clear water. Yeah, it was clear water. Yeah, it was, it was clear water. So I had like water <laughs> hitting me in the face. And I'm like, this isn't good. You know, this is a, this is, this is, that's an oh crap moment, right? When there's water coming out of the wall and hitting you. And so I had to repair that wall and figured out that I needed to use smaller nails to hammer the picket fits into the wall. Uh, but anytime we rebuild something, it's a struggle. It's, it's, it's tough. And we're, we're in this series called Under Construction. And what we're doing, we're taking a look at the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you've been at church at all or have any type of background in church, like the Holy Spirit is just, we talk about the Holy Spirit. We know that he's God and everything, but he's just kind of like this force. And really, as, as another pastor, his name is Matt Chandler down, down in Texas, another pastor puts it, it sometimes we kind of think of him as like crazy Uncle Larry. Like, he's a part of the family, but anytime he shows up to any family gathering, things get crazy. And, and, and so it's like, what is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And what does he do? And, and as, I was stud- as I've been studying for this series, uh, just, just opening my eyes to how practical God sending the Holy Spirit, who is God, which if you think about that too much, it's going to like wrap your mind around, around that. But God sends the Holy Spirit in, into our life to rebuild our lives. And in the first week, we took a look at how he rebuilds lives in general in order to have a great army for him. That was back in Ezekiel. And last week, we, we, we started taking a look at practically what does he do to rebuild our life? And we started with rebuilt mind, that the mind is the seat of our wisdom and decision-making, that he wants to rebuild our minds. 
And then this week, we're going to take a look at rebuilding feet. And quite honestly, as I was preparing for this message or preparing for this series and laying out all the weeks and stuff, and, and I'm going to be gone for the next couple of weeks, but don't take a vacation because next week, Phil is going to preach and he's excited to do that. And as Phil talked about, you know, I started studying and stuff and, and I noticed that things weren't quite right. Like, it was supposed to go mind, heart, feet, and the weeks were, somehow I got my weeks off and weeks all helter-skelter, and so it was supposed to be mind, heart, feet, because the mind and heart go into where our feet go, and so, so it's going to be kind of out of order, and I was, I was kind of frustrated about that and worried about that, like, ah, oh, we can't do it out of order and stuff, and how are we going to do this, and I figured, then I remembered in two months, you're not going to remember anyway, so we'll just go with it, and, 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 and not worry about it. So I'm going to talk about feet, and actually, gonna, it's going to seem a little bit awkward. We're going to talk about feet this week, and the Phil's going to preach about our rebuilt heart next week, but but we're going to see how God wants us, wants to rebuild, the Spirit wants to rebuild our feet, what we do in life. See, if He rebuilds our inside, our mind, and our heart, but nothing is seen on the outside, what good is that transformation? If we go into a house and we've bought a money pit of a house, and we go in and we change all the electric and all the plumbing and all of that, but don't paint, what good is that? There's not really any fun to live in. But if we just paint a money pit, that's no good either because the money pit's going to deteriorate. But anything that's rebuilt, it's rebuilt through struggle. We're going to be in Romans and We'll be in Romans chapter 8. You can flip there or, or you can use your smartphone or tablet. We really encourage you to download the Bible app and uh, we put an event in there. You can follow along with all the, um, with all the uh, verses and everything. Take notes and, 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 and share on Facebook and Twitter. And you're going to want to do that today. There's going to be plenty of Twitterable moments to, today. Like more than usual? Yes, 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 yes. More than, more than usual. So be ready, be ready. So, uh, uh, and, and uh, or... Get your hardbound Bible out. We're going to throw the verses up on the screen. But Romans chapter 7, Paul, Paul, a guy who, who if you've been in church at all, we, we, we hold him up to be like maybe even the most holy person who ever lived on the face of the earth besides Jesus. The most righteous person who ever lived on the face of the earth besides Jesus. But his background was that when he was saved, he was actually going on a mission to kill Christians. God knocked him off his donkey, showed him the light, and he started following Jesus, and his feet got transformed. But Paul, in chapter 7, in a moment of authenticity, was, was saying, and I call this the doo-doo passage. Paul's like, I don't do the things that I want to do. I do the things that I don't want to do. I wish I did more of the things that I do want to do, and I wish I did, didn't do more of the things that I, the things that I don't want to do. And, when we don't do the things that we want to do and we do the things that we don't want to do, we end up walking in a bunch of doo-doo, right? Now, that was my part. That, that Paul didn't put that in there. And that's one of those moments you can Facebook and Twitter, okay? If we don't do the things that we want to do and we do do the things we don't want to do, we will walk in a bunch of doo-doo. And then Paul comes and he asks this question. What a wretched man I am. Who can rescue me? from this life of sin and death. And we're going, wait a minute, you're Paul. You're the most holy person. 
You're the most righteous person besides Christ, and you're asking this question? Thankfully, Paul immediately answers that. Who can rescue me? Well, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then he immediately goes to chapter 8, because Paul didn't write in chapter breaks. That came hundreds of years later after Paul wrote. So chapter 8, verse 1 is the continuing thought after that question and after that answer. I'm going through this struggle. So how am I being rebuilt through this struggle? How did Paul overcome his struggle with sin? Chapter, or verse 1, chapter 8. So, you know, connecting the previous with now. So now, there's no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. For those of you who have faith in Jesus, who see him as Savior and Lord, there's no condemnation. Let's talk about condemnation for a second. What is condemnation? It's telling somebody else, go to hell. God can't save you. There's no hope for you. You've got to get good, and you won't get good. So you might as well just go to hell. And maybe some of you have kind of felt that in churches before. And I'm glad you're here this morning because I want you to see that that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there's no condemnation in Christ for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And for those of you that say, I don't belong to Christ Jesus right now, so is there any hope for me? Yes. Yes, absolutely, and this, the, we're going to unpack that through this message, but all you have to do is believe in Jesus as, you, as, as, as the guy who saves you. We're going to take a look at that. But over and above other people condemning us, who is really the one that condemns us the most? Ourself, right? There's no hope for me. I wish I would stop, but I can't stop. There's no hope for me. And Paul's like, hold the phone. Yes, there is. In Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. And he begins to unpack this. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed, Paul talked about the freedom, the spirit comes on us and frees us from the power of sin that leads to death. Sin is a slavery, and the spirit frees us from that slavery. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. You know, the Ten Commandments and all that, it has its place, but it can't save us. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. He came as a human, just like us. However, unlike us, he never sinned. And in that body, he declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Now, I use the New Living Translation, and, and I like to, like to use it because it, it, it smooths out some of the rough words or the, 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 the theological words. But sometimes I actually like the theological words because actually here, Paul utilizes the same idea as condemnation for declaring an end to sin's control. What Paul says is that through Jesus' life of never sinning, through Jesus' death of dying a sacrificial death for our sin, and through Jesus' resurrecting, showing that he has power over death and sin, Christ condemned sin. That's what Paul's actually saying, that Jesus condemned sin. Jesus told sin to go to hell. Facebook that one too. 
Jesus told sin to go to hell. No matter your background with church, no matter if you're just checking this Jesus thing out, no matter where you stand with God, I think we probably would all agree sin deserves to be in hell. That's where it deserves to be. So let's talk about that for a moment. Maybe you're starting to get nervous. Oh no, he's going to talk about hell. Yeah, just, let's talk about that for a second. Hell was never intended, period. Never intended. God created this world perfect. He created us perfect. He never intended for there to be a hell. But Satan decided to rebel against God. And he sinned. So hell was designed for Satan because of sin. And see, what ends up happening is this. Sin drags us to hell because that's where it is. And that's where it belongs. Not us. Sin. But Jesus, in his work, through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection, tells sin to go to hell where it belongs. Not us, sin. So through belonging to him, that's when he tells our sin to go to hell where it belongs. For he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. For those who decide, I'm following Jesus, I'm following the Spirit, I'm all in with God, I'm all in for this. Here's what God does. He looks at you through the lens of Jesus and what he does is he sees you as never, ever, ever breaking the law, breaking the Ten Commandments. Ever. See, that's why there's no condemnation. It's because when we believe in Jesus in faith, God looks at us as if we have never broken any commandment. Wait a minute, wait a minute, I break commandments still. I know, so do I. It's a struggle, right? Paul talks about that struggle. Flesh and spirit and what I do and what I don't do and blah, blah, blah. But there is still no condemnation in Christ because God looks at us as if we have never broken the law. As if we've never sinned because He's sent His Spirit to get rid of the sin. He sent his son to have power over the sin, to tell it to go to hell. And then he looks at us as if we have never sinned. That's the gospel. See, when I read this and I say this out loud and I prepare for this, I think, why do I not tell people more about this, right? So simple. So easy and so life-giving and so, so like everybody needs to know this. See, this is the gospel. I mean, talk about getting your waitress attention. You know, Jesus came to tell sin to go to hell. Wait, wait, hold on. Tell me more about this. Because that's what God has done for us, those that believe and those that, that are just on the fence and checking this thing out, like, 
All he requires, he doesn't require hoops. He doesn't require you to get better. He doesn't require anything. He just requires Jesus just going, hey, Jesus, you're the one that did this for me. Great, fine, I believe that. I want a new life. I want you to tell my sin to go to hell. But how does this play out in our life? The next two points are actually going to be about last week's sermon and about the next week's sermon. So I'm not going to preach these in depth because you can go find the podcast for last week's sermon and come back next week for next week's sermon. Don't let, Paul, or don't, don't, don't let Phil down, okay? Don't let Phil down. Be, be here because he's excited. He's excited. Verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about spiritual things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. Think, right? Mind. Rebuilt mind. When the Spirit comes on us, we stop thinking about the things of the flesh and we start thinking about the things of the Spirit. Every decision, whether righteous or sinful, begins in our mind. They don't just happen, despite what you told your parents. Right? I never said that to my parents. Yeah, right. Don't lie in church. Come on. They start in our mind. And the Spirit comes on us so that our minds start to be rebuilt, so that we start not thinking about the things of the flesh, but thinking about the things of the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Hell, that's, what, that's, what, that's the epitome of death. Because the sin is going to drag us straight there. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature always is hostile to God, but it never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. God wants to rebuild our mind and our thought process. To walk away from the fleshly desire or the fleshly mind and thought process into the thought process of the Spirit. And how... Can we come alongside the Spirit and put ourselves in the spot for the Spirit to go further, faster? We cannot transform our mind, but we can put ourselves in the spot where the Spirit can do more faster. We call it the three tools. And some of you are like, oh, I know those. Bible, prayer, community. God gives us those three tools so that we can be put in a spirit or a spot for the spirit to rebuild our minds. That's why we give you a reading plan. That's why we t- teach you and tell you to pray. That's why we tell you that, that beyond this, disciple-making relationships are vital to be in this community that, that help each other to rebuild our minds so that our minds can be focused more and more and more on the spirit instead of the flesh. If you want to know more about how the spirit wants to rebuild your mind to the mind of Christ, that's the goal of the spirit, find the podcast, listen to last week. Now, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the spirit. If you have the spirit of God living in in you. Maybe you heard about, you know, ask Jesus into your heart and Jesus lives in your heart. And and if you didn't quite get that, you're like, that sounds creepy. This is kind of where we get that. Because when we believe in Jesus, we receive the Spirit in us. Paul says in another book, 
we become the temple of God. He dwells with us. Where? In us, in our heart. Heart's the seat of our passions and our desires. He wants to rebuild our heart and rebuild our passions and desires. And Phil's going to talk about that next week and preach about that next week, how, how the Spirit comes in us to change our passions and desires because isn't this the decision-making process that our mind starts the process and goes, I think this would be a good idea. And our heart goes and says, yeah, I think I desire that too. And our feet was like, okay. Those of you with maybe more with a, with a Baptist background will understand this illustration. Our mind makes a motion, our heart seconds it, and our feet just votes and follows. That was, that was supposed to be funny, Taylor, so that's, that's all right. So. And if you don't get the illustration, you're better off that way, okay? You've never sat through a business meeting, praise the Lord. Um, did I say that out loud? But that's how decisions work, right? That's how our feet ends up in doo-doo. They don't just happen. Our mind starts. Our heart decides, oh, that's the desire I want. And then our feet follows. And Phil's going to talk next week about how our heart, God wants to rebuild our heart and, and our seat of passion and emotion and desire so that our feet follow. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them, do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. You know, we're all going to die. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. Awesome. I'm going to be there in two weeks. Fantastic. Good. We're going to talk about death. No, we're going to talk about weakness and how our body just decays. And, but the Spirit gives us life no matter what our body does. And the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The same Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power and the same Spirit that lives within all of us to give us life. And again, Phil will preach on that next week. God wants to rebuild our heart. But how does this practically look for rebuilt feet. Awesome. There's no condemnation in Christ. Fantastic. But what does this look practically? Verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. The message of the church is not, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I apologize if that's what you've heard. That's not the message of the church. The message of the church is this. You have no obligation to sin. You don't have to. Remember, the Spirit has freed us from this. The Spirit has freed us from, 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 the, from the slavery of sin. We are under, my feet are under no obligation to do whatever comes to my mind and do whatever comes to my heart. Just do, 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 do. I'll, I'll go and do this. My feet are under no obligation to do that anymore because my, the Spirit is rebuilding them. So how do we overcome that? How do we struggle through that? For if you live by its dictates, you will die. Paul wants, us to, wants to remind us that if we follow the flesh, we will die. But if, but if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the, the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. How do we practically do this? We put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. 
Some of you maybe watch the National Geographic channel and you love the, the guys that go out into the wild and fight down wild animals with their bare hands. It's kind of what it's like. That when temptation comes and sin comes, we come and we kill it. We did. We get it with her. It's like a grizzly bear coming and attacking us and we just kill it with our bare hands. <sighs> just brutally murder the sin that comes as soon as it comes into our mind and into our heart we take it behind the woodshed and just murder it why because the power of jesus the power of the spirit's living inside of us and because he overcame death and he overcame sin and he defeated it, we have the power to defeat the grizzly bear of sin. And when it's dead, we're standing over it saying, go to hell where you belong. Right? That's victory. That's how Jesus wants you to live. And when those thoughts, those processes come to mind... We brutally murder them and tell them to go to hell where they belong. Not because of our own power, but because the Spirit lives in us and our feet no longer are required to do what the flesh says we're supposed to do. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that awesome? Now, I wanted to do that in such a way that you'll never forget that. Because... This is how important it is. We can never forget this because we will always struggle on this earth. We'll always have this struggle, but don't we want victory over this struggle? And Jesus died so we can have victory over this struggle. If that was too gory, we'll change illustrations. For all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. <laughs> okay, we got National Geographic and, you know, the Duggars. Children of God. Those of us that belong to Jesus were children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Paul calls himself a slave of Jesus, a slave of God, but we're not fearful slaves. We, we, are, we are children of God. There's a myriad of illustrations we can use with this. Instead, you received God's spirit's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. This is the most endearing term that they knew in that day is Daddy. See, the, Satan promises to be our Daddy, but he's more like our pimp. When we get into that, we, we realize that the relationship wasn't as promised. We realize that we're, we become stuck and we have to do what, 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 what he says we have to do. And it seems like we can't get out. But God goes straight into the brothel and doesn't just rescue us. He adopts us. He brings us into his family. And adopts us. Now, now, I'm adopted straight from the hospital. So it doesn't really work for me so much. I didn't, 
you know, there wasn't really a, a heart choice here. You'll see where I'm going for the illustration. But boy, did it ever jack some people up when they took me home early in the week. And in, in, in the next couple of days, my mom was playing in a softball tournament. What? You had a kid this week? Excuse me? Oh, he's adopted. Oh, whew. But imagine a teenager. Imagine a teenager. Who their life, all their life, all they dealt with was abuse and difficulty and living pretty much on their own, being adopted by somebody. See, that teenager has a choice. The teenager has a choice whether to, to continue living in the, in, the, in, the, in the way that they knew for 13, 14, 15, 16 years or turn their heart to their new father and decide to live according to the new father. And the new father, being a loving father, is going to do what? Bring that child in and do everything they can to fend off against the previous life, right? See, this is what adoption means. That even though we were in the brothel, God adopts us out of the middle of that and then fends off everything that tries to chase us down from that brothel lifestyle. The Spirit rebuilds our feet so that we can walk like our adoptive father. Forget walk like an Egyptian. Walk like our adoptive father. That's why the Spirit rebuilds our feet, so that we can walk like our adoptive father. For now the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. He sends the Spirit so that we know that we're His children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. We, are, we have inheritance. We have the inheritance of God. What does God own? Everything would be the appropriate answer there. He owns all power. We have that as an inheritance. But it gets better than that. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Our inheritance is the glory of God, that God shares His glory with us. If you've been around for any time at all, you remember the, 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 the definition of glory that we, we, we have, that it's making the invisible visible. And when it comes to the glory and the glory of God, it's, it's, it's beauty and light and splendor. And so God gives us the inheritance of his glory so that in beauty and light and splendor, we show God's glory, God's visible glory to those who can't see God. He gives us this inheritance so that we can share this inheritance with others. It was never intended to be something that we hoarded for ourselves, but, but rather that we show for other people. And isn't it crazy that he shares his glory with us? And then last night, we must also share in his suffering. You're like, I like the glory part, but that suffering part, I'm not quite sure about. 
Two weeks. We'll talk about it in two weeks. Come back two weeks. We'll talk about suffering. Like, I think we'll go on vacation that week. No, 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 no. You need to be here. You need to be here. We're talking about rebuilt weakness. Talk about rebuilt, rebuilt weakness. Because we all got weakness. But the Spirit wants to rebuild that. But He sends the Spirit so that we will be adoptive kids walking like our Father. I've shared this before. It's been a while, and, and actually I'll, I'll, I'll share it again anytime that the opportunity permits because I believe this illustration so hits home with this topic. But uh, we moved to Syracuse, New York for a couple of years to try and plant a church, and when we moved there, we, we actually found a, an apartment that was over some buildings. It was second story, over some buildings, uh, or, or over some businesses right in the middle of, of Baldwinsville, the, the town that we lived in, much like Republic outside of Syracuse, and, or Bronzeville outside of Syracuse, and Republic outside of Springfield. And, um, it had like eight or nine apartments in, in an L-shaped hallway and, and stuff, truly like a, a, a loft kind of single lifestyle, but we were married with two kids. Um, and um, one day I was, I was, Elijah was two, uh, I was waiting for Nicole out in the hallway and I was leaning up against the wall and the door was open and, and Elijah comes, um, you know, waddling out to the hallway and, and, and I was kind of leaning up against the hallway, feet crossed and arms crossed and he tried to lean up against the wall the same way. Now, I'm, not, I'm not a guy that, that typically sees like this, this cute little illustration out of everything, especially our kids, because... You know, there's times when I can't find cute little illustrations out of my kids, but that's a separate issue. Um, But it hit me when I started thinking about that, that God was like, this is what it means to have faith like a little child. Faith like a little child is an imitation faith, right? It's an imitation faith. And do we have faith like a little child to imitate to walk like our adoptive father. To let our heart turn from what we used to know and turn it to our adoptive father and let him fend off our old life. And when needed, we kill off our old life so that we can walk like our adoptive father. Some of you are here and maybe this whole concept is maybe new or somewhat new or wherever you're at that now you're like, you know what? It is time for me to accept this salvation that God has for me. I want to tell my sin to go to hell. Myself and Shelly will be in the back and there's nothing special about talking to us or praying with us but, but rather to help process through things and what's going on and what God is doing in your life. We want to help you and this is a safe place. Nobody will judge you or condemn you. You better not, I just preached on that. But rather, people will be celebrating in their heart that God is working in your life. But maybe, I mean, you've solved that a long time ago or whatnot, but, you know, we all struggle, right? We all have walked in doo-doo. 
Spend this time as we reflect and the band plays. Spend this time killing off sin and telling it to go to hell. It's easy to do that here on Sunday, right? Then Monday comes and it's not quite so easy and the computer calls and the gossip calls and the cheating and but we do that tomorrow and Tuesday and so on and so forth. But do that here where it's safe, where everybody will celebrate that you've done that. Use this time to allow God to lead you, lead your feet to walk like your adoptive father. And as you do business with him, we'll be back there if you want to pray. That's cool. But as you do that, worship the Jesus who gives us the power to murder our sin and tell it to go to hell. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for um, the work that you did on the cross to save us. Work that you did on the cross to... Um, allow us to have freedom from sin, allow us the ability to, to, to murder our sin and to overcome it and to be victors. Work in people's lives now in such a way that their feet will follow. And allow us to be a people who live according to imitating our adoptive father. We thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You have listened to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. Please find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash my crosspoint.